we're continuing on in the Easter series and going on a little bit farther because it seems like the right thing to do. And we need, want to think about uh, the resurrection of Christ and continue to apply it to all that it means to us. It was in the early 1850s that a group of local farmers started what was called a Methodist Society in a stone schoolhouse, which we believe was on this corner. And in 1854, they organized and they raised $3,500 so they could build what they called a meeting house. Today we call it a church. Uh, But they were more correct than us Because they said that the church was the people. And the place where they met to worship was not really a church, but a meeting house. And they hired a local man named Israel Sanborn to build their meeting house. And so the East Shelby Church started with a bang. A whole bunch of families joined in and the church was a center of activity for this whole area. They had chicken dinners and oyster dinners served upstairs in the church. They were a very active group. In 1880, they added the steeple to the church, which uh, was an amazing engineering feat to put it up there. still stands there today. In 1919, they were still a very active church. They installed new stained glass windows, the ones that you see here, and they put tin ceilings up, the ones that you see in here and here, and they uh, put down new carpet that came, that came from the railroad. It was donated from railroad cars to the church, and the ladies sewed it together by hand. And you can still see remnants of that here. Uh, it was still a thriving church. They had a large ladies group called the Crescent Circle. And that was a very active in keeping the building in good condition. In 1954, they held a major celebration. And they made a special plate to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the East Shelby Church. But due to declining enrollment, they finally held the last service in 1959, and the church was closed. And so it was for 30 years, this church was shut down. No songs were sung, no sermons were preached, no services held. And what was once the center of activity for the whole neighborhood was nothing more than an abandoned building. In 1989, a group of people who were meeting in my house as a Bible study decided to buy the building and reopen this old place. So we began an eight-month project to repair and reopen this old building. And it was the most exciting eight months of my whole life. And in the beginning, I sometimes wondered, how are we ever going to accomplish this task After all, we didn't have any money, and we didn't have any materials, and we didn't have the know-how 
to do all that was needed to be done. And a lot of people were heard to say, they'll be lucky if they last for one year. But God supplied the money, and God supplied the materials, and God supplied all kinds of people with know-how until finally God convinced me beyond a shadow of a doubt that if God is with us, who can be against us? We opened on Palm Sunday in 1990, 33 years ago. The church on East Shelby is alive and doing well today. Now open for business longer than the church was closed. First song that we ever sang in this building was in 1989. There were five ladies here. Vera and Annabelle, who some of you remember. Eunice and Alice, who probably none of you remember. My wife and I, and we made a circle over in that part of the church and held hands, and we sang, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. That was the first song in the new East Shelby Church. We stood among the rubble and the garbage that was scattered all around and sang, Praise to God. And so it was the new East Shelby Church was born. Now, over the past two months, we've used the Lenten season to trace the steps of Jesus the last week before he was crucified. And we talked about the crucifixion and then the resurrection of Jesus. And as we did, we saw that the death of Christ on that cross accomplished something wonderful. Just before Jesus died on that cross, he cried out from the cross, it is finished. And we asked, what was finished? Jesus paid the price for every sin that was ever committed. And he took the burden of all that sin on his own shoulders. And he finished the plan of salvation for every person. Forgiveness, full pardon was available to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. That was step number one. Three days later, he crushed the power of death and broke its hold, tearing the bars away as the song says. He re-entered that tomb and took back his own body and rose from the grave. And it was a glorious and dazzling display of power as he rose in triumph over the grave. And that was step number two. And today I want to talk about step number three. Sometimes we think that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and then 40 days later went back up to heaven. To which I would say all that power displayed on the resurrection, and there it goes, all back up to heaven. But I do not believe that that was the end of the story. And nor do I believe that that was all that Jesus intended to do. All that power and energy that was the driving force in the resurrection was to be funneled into something else, and Jesus knew what to do with all that power. 
So let's begin to see what Jesus had planned to accomplish. It is first mentioned by Jesus in Matthew chapter number 16. As we start there for our text this morning, Matthew 16. The triggering event that brought this information out was a question that Jesus asked his disciples. And he said to the twelve, who do people think that I am? So we begin reading in Matthew 16 and verse number 13. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he saith to them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter really answered Jesus' question well. When other people were guessing, who's this Jesus of Nazareth? Is he John the Baptist? Is he some prophet? We're not sure. We don't know who he is for sure. Peter answered, I know who you are. You're the Messiah and you are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Peter, you got it right that time. Good job. And Peter, understand this. The son of the living God, that's who I am. I am going to build something. And the son of the living God is going to be the foundation of what I build. The stable ground on which I build. He would never build on sinking sand. The son of the living God will be the solid rock that upholds what I will build. And I will build my church. Now, in the original language, Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, or a gathering, a gathering of people. So what he said that day was, I'm going to build a group of people. It has been translated, I will build my church. What he actually said, I'm going to build a group of people. When Jesus says church, just like the old Methodists, Jesus meant a group of people. So Jesus himself will build a gathering of people. And then he adds some more information. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now to prevail means to conquer. And I ask you, have you ever been prevailed on by a gate? (laughs) Not likely, you say. Maybe I've walked through a gate and had it hit me from behind. But no, gates don't usually prevail. But Jesus says, this is the gates of hell. And the gates of hell is where we enter into death. And all the evil forces in the universe want us to fail and to be prevailed against so that we will die and go into the gates of hell and into death. 
Jesus says, evil forces and death itself will not prevail against the church that I built. But Jesus has more to say about it than that as he fills us in more so that we understand better. In John chapter 21, <clears throat> now Jesus after the resurrection, talking again to Peter, and he explains more about the gathering of people that he is building. John chapter 21, I'm looking at verse number 15. So when they had died, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He said unto the Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Jesus tells Peter, I have a flock. In my flock there are lambs and there are sheep. Lambs are the young ones. And I have sheep, and they need to be fed. That means a regular, healthy, nutritious supply of food. So Jesus explains this gathering of people is not supposed to be just some friends getting together. It is to be cared for, this flock, fed, well fed, regularly. But I love the way Jesus puts it. First one he mentions, make sure you feed the lambs. Make sure you feed the young ones. My friends, in this church we have programs, Sunday school. We have Tuesday night programs with a wonderful group of teachers who teach our children about the Bible, about Jesus, about how to pray. It is an essential element of a vibrant church. It's what they're supposed to be doing, teaching children. Jesus said we have to feed the lambs. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Because Jesus loves children. When I was a child, I was fed. I was fed. Pat's mom used to feed me when I was a child. That was a very good thing for me. And that is what church's duty is to do, is to feed children. And then he said, feed the sheep. A steady diet of God's word. We are regularly to feed people so that they can grow. Peter later says in his letter, desire that. Desire the word of God and grow by it. Taste it and see that the Lord is good. So the gathering of people must be fed. These are Jesus' instructions. My friends, you can gather with a group of people at the Lions Club or at the PTA or at a ball game, but none of those things is going to feed your soul. The church was built by Jesus to feed your soul. And so Jesus builds a gathering of people, promises they will prevail, they will be accepted, they will not be destroyed by evil, 
The church will continue not to be cut off or destroyed as long as they are well fed. So my friends, I put a question to you this morning. Why did the East Shelby Church, with its dying breath, close the doors in 1959? Why did it die? I had a young couple that I was counseling before they were married. They were going to live in Syracuse. And so I advised them, you need to attend a church as a married couple. It's an essential thing for your well-being. So don't let yourself go into marriage and not have a church. So I want you to go find a church in Syracuse where you're going to live. Well, the next time I went with them, I said, well, how'd you do? Did you find a church? They said, yes. We found a church. Good, good. Did you go? Yes, yes, we went. I said, really good. And tell me, how was it? They said it was about as exciting as watching paint dry. (laughs) My friends, watching paint dry is pretty dull, huh? For sure, it doesn't feed your soul. I know exactly what they meant. I went to a service a couple of years ago, and I was sitting in a pew, found my mind wandering a little. So I said to myself, now, Eric, pay attention, because I'm sure he's got something to say that's good. The next thing I found myself saying was, Eric, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. <laughs> I remember when I was young and went to church with Uncle Ed, when I snored, he poked me, woke me up, when he snored, I poked him. Woked him up. And that's how we kept each other awake and out of trouble. You see, my friends, just because there's a sign outside that says church doesn't mean there's a church inside. The gathering of God's people aren't there just because there's a sign outside. Jesus said the church is a flock needing to be fed And then that church is a gathering that cannot die by the powers of evil. So back to our question, why did the East Shelby Church close in 1959? But wait a minute, there's something else Jesus said. Something else before he went back to heaven after the resurrection as he met with his disciples. It's the very thing that it takes to make the church what it is. Luke chapter 24, the last chapter of the book of Luke. Jesus risen from the dead has something to say to them. Luke chapter number 24, I'm at verse number 46. And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. There it is. That's the last instruction Jesus gave. Wait until you are endued with power from on high. Wait until the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is funneled down and into your hearts and all that great energy and strength that made Jesus so alive is flowing down into your hearts. Then when that happens, he said, then go, go 
You got the power, feed the sheep. You got the power, nourish the lambs. Don't fear any power that tries to prevail against you. Nothing can stop you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Why did that East Shelby church die? Why was the service as exciting as watching paint dry? And why is it I can't stay awake? Because the spiritual energy and power that rose Jesus from the dead and triumphed over the grave is missing. No power from on high. If the resurrection power that caused Jesus to raise from the dead isn't a part of the service, then it's not the church that Jesus built. The sign out front can be misleading. That's why we pray before every service, Holy Spirit, come. Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered, he would be in the midst of them. And we invite him in as our honored guest every week. We ask that he attend our service because as he so plainly said when he was here, without me, you can do nothing. And so we pray, dear Jesus, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. That's what you do sang this morning. Do you remember it? Bread of heaven, feed me. Feed me till I want no more. So that my soul is strong and healthy. I can go out and I can face the foe. The foe wants me to be discouraged. But Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And the foe wants me to be lost and alone and cut off. Jesus said I'll build a gathering of people united together in love. I will build my church. And the foe wants to destroy my home and tear apart my marriage and destroy anything he can get his hands on. And Jesus said come to the gathering of my people and I will nourish and strengthen your soul. I'll save your home and rescue your marriage and the enemy will not prevail over you. Step number one. Jesus has finished the work and you can be forgiven and free and made whole inside. Step number two, Jesus has risen in power from the grave and the gates that have opened the door to death are slammed shut. You need not be afraid of death anymore. And step number three, Jesus has poured his resurrection power into the church that he built so the church will be a life-giving force full of energy, full of strength, a place so people you join together with you draw from the Spirit of God life and health and power. This isn't the PTA and it's not the Lions Club. It's the Church of Jesus Christ. The conduit of His power as it flows from the risen Christ into His church, into you and into me as we gather together. God's people, we are step number three. A group of people full of vibrant energy, who get fed on God's word regularly, who cannot fail as long as we allow that power that resurrected Christ to energize our lives and our services and our church. So we can say again, as we did 33 years ago, six of us in a little circle. Praise God from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above ye heavenly host praise father son and holy
pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done and for the power that you give to us and for that energy that comes from God. And we are grateful that we can gather here and feed on it regularly and take it into our hearts and take it home with us that we can be what we ought to be in this troubled world. So bless us, Lord, as we meet together, as we think about these things, that you will inspire us to believe and have a boundless confidence in God and know for certain that if God be for us, then who can be against us? Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 400. Standing as we sing, hymn number 400. I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode. Standing as we sing, page number 400. I love thy kingdom, Lord. grateful for the gathering of this people here and of people around the world who have your spirit in the midst of them. We are thankful for this opportunity that we could come and be fed week after week, every day that we need it, and it's full of friends that have loved us, but mostly those who have loved you and know you and have felt the power of your blood in their life. They have seen the forgiveness, and they take forgiveness and give it to others in their lives. We thank you for all of those that we can be with in this place, and we thank you that you have done a mighty and powerful work in this world and well beyond it. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you and that the gates of hell cannot prevail against this work. And we know that those who will gather together in your name will be together
till the end comes, and then we'll be together in heaven. We are thankful for these promises that you have given to us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Be with us, we pray. Protect us as we go from this place and come back to this place. Bind us together in our hearts. Watch over us. Bring us together with love, we pray, and back safely to this place again to be with each other and worship. Great and almighty God, thank you for all these things. 